Anyway, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Has this helped anyone? Has it helped anyone to understand how we were created? Do you, do you get the analogy of who's driving your car? That we were created as this super high-tech car, and our spirit man was to be driving us, and, and the steering wheel and the gas pedal and the brakes and the, the center console were like the areas of our soul, our mind, emotions, and will, and then the actual physical car is like our body. And, and sitting right there in that two-passenger, two-seat sports car was the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God was speaking to our spirit, and our spirit was giving commands. Mind, you're going to think this way. Um, emotions, you're going to feel but not be controlled by feelings. Um, will, you're going to say no to the things you should say no to, and you're going to say yes to the things you should say yes to. And, and if you get lost... You don't need to say, Siri, show me the way, and have it pop up on your screen. You had this navigator right next to you saying, here's what you need to do. And that's how it was. And if you look at up to Genesis 3, it says that man walked in the evening with God. And so there was this communion with God. And that's how we were designed to be. But what was said in Genesis 3 was this, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And while we look at that story, and I've had people say to me, but pastor, they didn't die. In fact, they lived about 800 years past that. Yes, they physically lived, but spiritually at that moment, the spirit man died. And so if you can see the analogy that suddenly the driver of the car is slumped over the wheel. I know it's kind of a morbid picture, but it is the picture. And that's how we were. And so what happens? Well, something else takes control of the car. It's the soulish. It's the mind. And we have many people that are very brilliant, and they trust their minds to direct their lives. But some things are spiritual. Some things are spiritual, and the mind doesn't comprehend it. They don't make sense. For others, it was a, it was a breaking of, of their will. They couldn't say no to things, and that's where addictions come in. They couldn't say no to things that shouldn't happen, or couldn't say yes to the things that they should do. And so that's because their emotions were running them. Basically, it's a car that the gas pedal and the brake are in charge, if you can imagine that. Um, for others, it, it, was, it was areas of their will and, and all of those kinds of things. That's what became, came in charge. And so here we have this missing thing. But Jesus said that you must be born again. And when we're born anew or we're born again... The Bible says that our spirit man comes back to life. So if you can see this picture in the car, and I know I preached this three weeks, but I wanted to see if you get it. You know, I want to see your facial reactions. Oh, I can't because you have a mask. <laughs> but, but if you can imagine, the minute we accept Christ as our Savior, that our spirit man comes to life and it's back in this. But you know what? The car's been driving itself for a long, long time. And so that's where we begin to say, you know, mind, I know what you think. I know you place value in what, and, you're, and it's great to have a good mind. God gave us a mind. But there's times that our spirit needs to say, I don't care what you think. We're going to take in the word of God into our spirit, and we're going to transform. We're going to renew. We're going to, in the Greek, metamorpho, this transformation of our mind. We're going to start thinking the way God thinks, because the way God thinks is different than the way man thinks. You, are you with me? Yeah. 
You know, it doesn't make sense that, okay, you look in your wallet and you say, I've got this much money and I've got this many bills. It doesn't make sense to take the first piece and give it away. It doesn't make sense. Mentally, it doesn't make sense. On an Excel sheet, it doesn't make sense. But in God's economy, it makes sense because it's amazing. The blessed 90% that's left goes farther than the unblessed 100%. You know, I'm a pastor, and Joe and I learned that the hard way. You'll pay to God one way or another. Either your car keeps running or you get a new engine, if you know what I'm saying. There's, there's, there's times that you just say, wow, how did it work? How did it work? That doesn't make sense mentally, but it does spiritually. So that's where we are. But after that fall, the unfortunate event is this, and you've got to come back or watch next week because next week I'm going to talk about the fact that a new age, a new epic is beginning but we went through a season of time from Genesis 3 to the end of Malachi, actually the first of Matthew, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit only showed up at certain times and in certain people. How sad. Now we know the Holy Spirit was at creation. That's in Genesis chapter 1. We know he was there with Noah in Genesis 6, Genesis 8, and Genesis 9, it says, and God said. Well, how do I know that's a spirit? Because the Bible says that God is a spirit. So God was speaking by his spirit to Noah. Build an ark. That's a little different. Think about it. Does that make mental sense to build a big boat when it's never rained? Does that make sense? No, but when the Spirit of God speaks to the Spirit of man and we respond in obedience, it makes sense. Aren't you thankful that Noah built a boat? Think about it. We might not be here today. Abraham, in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and Genesis 17, it says, The Lord said to Abraham, The Lord said, The Lord said, Aren't you glad that the Lord spoke to Abraham? And aren't you glad that Abraham's spirit man responded in obedience? Because you sit here today because Abraham believed. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And we are grafted into that promised people because of Abraham. All the way back in Genesis 12. How about Joseph in Genesis 41? It's said about him... Can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Isn't it neat to think that godless people, the Egyptians who had thousands of gods that they worshipped, could recognize there was something different about one guy, Joseph, and they knew it was the Spirit of God in him. Do you think that could be true for us in the church today? that people could look at us and recognize there's something different about you. Why? Because the Spirit of God dwells in you. Joe and I, you know where we work. We work with a lot of people that are in stress and distress. They're just, just so on edge because of the pandemic, because of the political seasons, because of the pay cuts. And I'm thinking, thank God you just had a pay cut. A lot of people lost their jobs. And they're just fearful. 
And it's like, how do you feel about that, Mark? Or how do you feel about it? Well, you know, life's been pretty good to us. Well, how can you be at peace? Why can we be at peace? Not because the world's at peace. Our heart's at peace. Why? Because the Spirit of God is sitting right here in our lives. And he's there. It's like, how do we face this? How do we help this employee? How do we do this? Holy Spirit, show up because I don't know what to do. I didn't know I was going to become a psychologist during this season. And I'm not trained for it. I'm not even sure I even believe some of this stuff. But anyway, that's a side take that out. Of the, uh, anyway, you, you get what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit gives you the words to say. I got a neat email this week. Uh, one of the people that I've worked with at two or three different places, and now we work at different places in the state, but the email said, um, I've been asked to write an essay about people that have been my mentors in my life, and you're one of them. In fact, I'm going to write about you and one other person. And here's what I've learned from you, Mark. This is a, a state employee now. Trust God. Trust God. Number one thing I've learned from you. Never settle. And never give up. Does that sound like God? Wow, that is so exciting. That should be the mark of us as believers, as the Spirit of God is there. When, when we're talking to someone, we don't know what to say. Holy Spirit, show up. And you got about 37 seconds. Amen. Yeah. I try to follow in your notes. Who knows what's going to happen today? It's like last week. What did I get? The first paragraph? And <laughs> anyway, it's all good. Um, Moses. Look at Moses. In Exodus 31, they're getting ready to build a tabernacle. It says about Bezalel in Exodus 31, I filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him wisdom, ability, expertise, and all kinds of crafts. Can you believe that you can be Spirit-filled to do your job? I'm grateful for this man right here. I am grateful for this man because God has given him an ability with technology. And if you've watched me every week, it's not because I can stand in front of my camera and sometimes find out that I'm looking off the wrong way because I had it pointed the wrong place. I'm sure you giggled about that. Mark's not even looking at us. No, I thought I was. <laughs> they keep moving the cameras around. But we've been on every week because this man has been gifted by the Spirit of God with understanding technology. If you're watching me today from home, I don't know what he did. There's some wires I, I know I'm not supposed to pull out. Thank God. Thank God that the Spirit of God has gifted him with ability and skill. Thank you, Greg, for letting the Spirit of God use you. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. I had, I had some people say to me, Mark, you've been so faithful through this. No, I'm, this is the guy every week. It doesn't mean, you know, he had surgery and had his leg all winter. Oh, don't worry about it. It'll be live when you're ready to go. That's like amazing dude. Thank you so much. I do appreciate you. Balaam, he's a prophet for hire. And he's hired to say something against Israel. And every time he opens his mouth, he says something for Israel. And it, and it finally says, the Spirit of God came on him. And he, really, he saw that God was with Israel. And finally, he changed his prophecy. So the Spirit of God, again, on an individual 
for, for a very limited period of time. Look at what it says about Joshua in, in Numbers chapter 27. The Lord replied, Take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the Spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. Deuteronomy 34 also um, recaps that, that, that as this transition from Moses to Joshua. The reason Joshua was chosen, because the Spirit of God was on him. Here's a person that had the Spirit of God in his life. But again, he wasn't everybody. Does that make sense? Well, we get through Joshua. They get into the promised land. They, they begin to possess the land. And they're not to have a king, because who's to be their king? God's to be their king. And so occasionally God would raise up judges. And those judges would be directed by God. And, and look in Judges chapter 3. Othniel, and, and I'll give you a date. This is 1370 B.C. I want you to understand how the Holy Spirit kind of shows up, and then you don't see him for a while. Uh, Othniel in Judges 3, it says, The people of Israel cried to the Lord for help. The Lord raised up a rescuer to save them. His, his name was Othniel. Look what it says in verse 10. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. It means it wasn't there. But the Spirit of God showed up when there was a need. The Spirit of God came on him, and he became Israel's judge. He went to war against Aram, and the Lord gave Othniel victory over them. That's really nice. How many know the story of Gideon? Yeah, we all know about the coward. Oh, mighty men of valor who's hiding down, right? But that's 1175 B.C. Look at that. We're a couple hundred years later. And it says, the, the armies and the people of the East formed an alliance against Israel. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. Clothed him with power, and he blew a ram's horn to call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abizar came to him. Jephthah in Judges chapter 11. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he led an army against the Anamites. You see my point? The Spirit showed up on people for a season. It's hard to say this in church. We need to realize how lucky, no, let's change lucky, to blessed we are to have the Holy Spirit available for us each and every day. And the reason I wanted to take this first part of this year to talk about the Holy Spirit is many of us grew up in, in different traditions. I grew up in a tradition, it's classical Pentecostal, and we called him the Holy Ghost. And, and that's scary. It's spooky. And, and when we saw some people that were Holy Ghost baptized, some of the things they did were just strange. And, of course, I, I'm a pastor's kid, and we were at the church across the tracks. You know? Oh, and, and you're a holy roller. I thought, is that someone that makes bread? That's a joke. <laughs> Others of us grew up in traditions that, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we read that there was a Holy Spirit. But we're like the church in Acts that said, we did not even know there was a Holy Spirit. Or you were taught the Holy Spirit is not for now. We needed him then, but now that we got it all figured out, we don't need the Holy Spirit anymore. We have some good theology and a wonderful book that will tell you everything you need to know. The Holy Spirit is real. He's not weird. And he does more than enable you to speak in a language you don't know. I'm not saying that's not important, but he does more than that. 
So let's look at the time of the kings. Think of Saul. When you think of King Saul, what do you think of? You think of a guy who had the blessing of God on his life who sinned and failed, right? His ego took over. Right? That's what you think of. <laughs> In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6, At the time, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. Who's him? Saul. And you will prophesy with him. You'll be changed into a different person. Who's that prophesied about? Saul. In verse 9 of that same passage, it says, As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. And all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. In chapter 19 of 1 Samuel, it says, The Spirit of God came upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy all the way to Naoth. He tore off his clothes and lay naked on the ground all day and night, prophesying in the presence of Samuel. The people who were watching exclaimed, What? Is Saul now a prophet? But we also know that the Spirit of God left him. David in 1 Samuel 16. You remember Samuel's looking for the next king. And they bring all Jesse's sons. Is that it? No, we got the boy. And in verse 12, it says, Jesse sent for him, the boy. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the flask of oil. Think about the symbolism there. He had brought and anointed David with oil. And look what it says in the next phrase. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Here's the Spirit of God on a person that started at a time, and it doesn't say it was ever removed from him. You say, well, he wasn't perfect. He did some really stupid things. Yes, he did. But the Spirit of God stayed on him from that day on. In verse 14, this is a sad verse. It says, the Spirit of the Lord left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. In 2 Samuel 23, it says, The Spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His words are upon my tongue. Here's a person. Here's this king that recognizes the Spirit of God is giving me the words. Look at what David wrote in Psalms 51. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Do you know when he wrote Psalms 51? After he's confronted about his sin with Bathsheba. It's his confession psalm. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And then he says, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. How many know about Elijah? <laughs> Elijah, a prophet of God, an amazing prophet of God. Uh, and, and this great story in uh, 1 Kings 18, it says, uh, Go tell, he's, he's talking to this person, this representative, go tell the king I'm here. So you, so you get the idea. And he says, go tell your master, Elijah's here. And he says, but as soon as you leave, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you away to who knows where. And so when Ahab comes, he can't find you, he's going to kill me. Other people knew that the Spirit of God was on Elijah and was even transporting him. 
from place to place. That's pretty amazing. I wish he'd do that every Sunday. <laughs> Put me at the rivers. Thank you. Uh, but that's why we have a car. Um, Micaiah in 1 Kings 22, it says, the Lord says, who can entice Ahab to go into battle against Ramoth Gilead so he can be killed? There were many suggestions. And finally, a spirit approached the Lord and said, I can do it. <laughs> oh, this is so sad. How will you do this, the Lord said. And the spirit replied, I'll go out and inspire all Ahab's prophets to speak lies. 400 of them. And the Lord immediately recognizes, you'll succeed. Go ahead and do it. So you see, the Lord put a lying spirit in the mouths of all your prophets, for the Lord has pronounced your doom. Here's what happened. 400 of the prophets of Ahab say, you and Jehoshaphat can go up and fight and you'll win. And Ahab is saying, but what about this one guy, Jehoshaphat, that's from your country? He never says anything good about me. And he shows up, Micaiah shows up, and he says, go out and you'll win. And Ahab says, you're, you're not telling me the truth. And then he tells him this story. Well, there was this discussion in heaven. Now you know the, the back story. One of the people, one of the 400 prophets says to him, Since when did the Spirit of the Lord leave me to speak to you, he demanded. And Micaiah replied, You'll find out soon enough when you're trying to hide in a secret room. Do you know that was within a day? That Ahab and Jehoshaphat went out to battle. Ahab said, I'm not going to go in my kingly robes. He was shot and killed. And all Israel fled, including his prophets. Azariah in 2 Chronicles 15, now we're in 925 B.C. It says, the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Obed, and he went out to meet King Asa as he's returning from battle. He says, listen to me, Asa. Listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you'll find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. The Spirit of God came upon a person for a season to send a message. You need to remember to turn to God. Are you, are you catching this? Jehaziel in 870 B.C., 2 Chronicles 20, says, All the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. The Spirit of, of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. One! He was Jehaziel. I said, listen, this is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours but God's. The Spirit of God came upon one person for one season to deliver a message. The battle you're about to face, go. You're going to win because God's with you. Time of the prophets. How about Ezekiel? Ezekiel 8. The Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and in visions. He took me to Jerusalem to the entrance of the north gate of the inner court where the idol that provokes to jealousy stood. In uh, chapter 11, it says, The Spirit of God came upon me. Later on in uh, chapter 11, it says, The Spirit carried me back. In, in chapter 37, it says, He was carried by the Spirit to the Valley of Dry Bones. That's pretty neat. God's transportation system. And about Ezekiel in chapter 39, and I think I misquoted the numbers. It's verse 28 and 29. The people will know that I am the Lord their God because I sent them away to exile and brought them home again. 
I will leave none of my people behind, but listen to this, listen to this great, great thing. I will never again turn my face from them, for I will pour out my spirit upon the people of Israel. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Do you know that you're part of that promise? Do you know you're part of that promise when he says, I will pour my spirit out upon the people? Do you know you're part of that promise? That after the exile, when they returned, there was going to be an outpouring of the spirit of God, and you're part of that promise? Look at Daniel. How did he interpret dreams? How did they know he was a dream interpreter? Look what they said about him. There's a number of times it says, we recognize you, Daniel, because the spirit of the holy gods is upon you. Micah, he says in Micah chapter 3, but as for me, I'm filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord, with justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgressions, to Israel his sin. That's one I really don't care to get inspired by the spirit for, is to tell people where they're wrong. <laughs> but that's what Micah did. How about Zechariah? You understand Zechariah is prophesying to a remnant of people who are returning. And I want you to see this picture of where they're returning. They're coming back to their homeland. Their land is decimated. Their crops are destroyed. The homes are destroyed. But how about Jerusalem? How about Jerusalem? They arrive and all the walls are broken down. And Nehemiah reports, and the gates are burnt with fire. Not one stone remained upon another. Can you imagine the sorrow and the sadness? These are the grandchildren who had listened to their grandparents. Oh, you should have been in Jerusalem. Oh, you should have seen the temple. Oh, it was a great place. Now they're coming back, and what do they see? Absolute destruction. Absolute destruction. And we see Zerubbabel is commissioned to rebuild uh, the, the temple. And uh, Nehemiah comes and is commissioned to rebuild the walls of the city, and there's a great series of teachings on that. But, but listen to what Zechariah says. This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. By my spirit. They'll say, well, that's nice. It's a nice spiritual little verse. Do you know, do you know what the context of that is? He said, you will bring forth the capstone. Do you know what the capstone is? That's the, 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 here we are. We're finishing this job. You will bring the capstone with shouts of grace to it. How are you going to do that? Not because you were a strong army, not because you had skilled workers, not because you just, by the force of your will, made it happen. You're going to be able to do this because you're going to be spirit-empowered. And you'll recognize that. Finally, there's the promise of a Messiah. Isaiah chapter 11. It says, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch, bearing fruit from the old root, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Who's that talking about? It's Jesus. And that Spirit of the Lord will be the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. That's the promise. Isaiah 61 says it this way, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Who quotes that? Who quotes that? In, in the synagogue, Jesus, when he's asked to preach, 
he gets out the scroll, opens it to that, and says those verses, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And then he makes a statement, today this is being fulfilled in your midst. You don't want to miss next week. Blatant promo. Because next week we see something different. You see, since the fall of man in Genesis, the Spirit of God has descended on certain people for certain times or for specific situations. But something is about to change. And what is about to change is we're going to see something. Look for the person upon whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. Descend and remain. All those guys, and I know it was a history lesson, and I know some of you are bored, I can tell you're yawning underneath your mask. That's okay. Can you imagine having the Spirit descend and then know when it's gone? How sad that would be. But the new epic, by the way, there, there's 440 years of waiting where there, there is no activity of the Holy Spirit that's recorded. Something's going to happen because the Spirit is going to descend and remain. And that's the promise that we live in. The Holy Spirit is closer than your breath. He's more vital to us than any knowledge we can ever gain. He's more life-giving than any emotion we could ever experience. He's closer than our breath. And if we let him, he'll give us direction to drive our car, to live our life. Father, we thank you. Thank you today for the promise of your spirit in our lives, for the hope that we have each and every day knowing that you guide us, that you direct us. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you that you promised that you would send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be with us, but better yet, to dwell in us, to sit in the navigator seat of our life, speaking to our spirit, helping us to walk in truth and in power. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. If you're here today or you're watching, and if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, your spirit man driving your car is not alive. But in a moment's time, if you accept Jesus as your Savior, if you pray a simple prayer, Father, I thank you for Jesus. I confess my need of you. I repent of my sins. I give my life to you. You pray that simple prayer, your spirit man will come alive, and the Spirit of God will slide in that navigator seat and direct your life. I pray that you'll do that today. It'll change your life. It really, really will. Amen. Amen.